Hello and welcome to College Admissions with Mark and Anna. Each week we talk about different college admissions topics and answer those tough questions you may be dealing with concerning getting into the college of your choice. We know how stressful this process can be, so each episode we try to make it easier to navigate. Now, here are your hosts, Anna Wren and Mark Hofer. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the College Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Wren, and with me is... Mark Hofer. Hi, Anna. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. We survived November 1st, early action, early decision deadlines, and we are looking towards the end of the application season. Yes, we're winding down. You know, while many deadlines for regular decision coming are are January 1st, right? But I know you and I both encourage our students to work and try to get them done sooner rather than later so they can enjoy their holiday break. Well, not only the holiday break, but as we have seen for many years, it's amazing how many application cycles when they get real close to the deadline, the uh, servers for certain schools and certain um, organizations will crash. And that's always fun. That is a good noteworthy point as well, Mark. I know that you and I have certain colleges in mind when we talk about that. Um, but yes, if you can try to get it in sooner, that's always a great idea. Also, depending on when you get your decisions for the early round, I find that some of my students are less motivated um, after mid-December. <laughs> There is the uh, having a school in your back pocket as the I'm done now philosophy. That's definitely a, a motivator for sure. Yes, yes. But, you know, for today's topic, we're actually it's kind of for the younger kids, right, Mark? Exactly. Well, it's it's for the younger kids and those who are undecided or think that they should decide on a major. Mm, yes. So today, this, uh, the, today's episode is about whether or not to select a major, which is kind of a big deal because I have like I read a post on a Facebook group the other day and the mom was panicking because her child was a freshman in high school and did not have a major. I just had that call last night with a, a family <laughs> who had a freshman and they were really concerned that he hadn't decided on. Of course, you know, there's only three majors engineering Apparently. medical school and business i had no idea that you know there were only three but this this was the topic of of last night ah uh, i see yeah and so i think today's episode hopefully will help put people at ease right first of all you don't necessarily have to have a major decided by the time you're a freshman or even a sophomore in high school but we'll also kind of cover like you know how you should approach this conversation about majors. Absolutely. I think one of the first questions, and this is the 10,000 foot view, a student by the time they graduate high school should absolutely know what their major is. Isn't that right? Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly. Well, let, let's tease that apart, shall we? So one of the things that really astounds me is how many people are surprised when they find out that as few as 15%, depending on the research that you read and which, uh, which era of students we're talking about graduating, only about 15 to 20% of people actually work in the area they got their degree. I know it's mind blowing. Well, here's a question, Mark. Do you work in the area in which you got your degree? 
See, and that is one of those interesting things where if you tweak it, so my first degree was in psychology, but I ended up teaching and building spacecraft and rocket engines as well. So I actually say my psychology degree is something I use every day and is probably one of the best degrees that I have. That's that's actually really good because I know um, I've had major people or parents that are like, what do you do with a psychology degree? So look, <laughs> you're using it every day, Mark. Well, I know a number of people, and including myself, who pursued things after getting a psychology degree. And I know people, it's a direct line into teaching. It's a direct line into medical school. People don't realize that psychology is one of the higher success majors um, for medical school students. Um, I also see it uh, as a direct pipeline to becoming a lawyer. I've seen those all successfully done. And just coming from a business background, it's used in business as well, uh, of psychology. And I, I, they actually have business psychology classes. Um, so it's, it's quite versatile, uh, that major. Yeah, the, the business, business is another one, getting a business degree. How many people do we know have a business degree, but they don't necessarily work in business, but they use it in advertising. They use it in other different fields. It's a great foundational degree, for sure. Thank you. Um, I certainly use mine as a, I, I don't know that I use all the skills I learned in business school, <laughs> but in general, I guess, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, which we are because we have our own businesses, we do use some of those skills. Um, but, you know, I think if you told me at the time why I chose business, I think it was the because I wanted to do communications, but supposedly communications was not practical as a major. And so business seemed like a better, better idea uh, in my, in my parents' view. And that's how I ended up with business, but it's cool because I, I still use it to this day. And I love the, the uh, misconception of communications as another degree like psychology. What do you use it for? And if you take a step back and you say, well, everything. Um, I, I, I think I think that's one of those uh, degrees where you can apply it in so many different shapes and forms that um, no matter what you end up doing as a career, it, it cannot be anything but beneficial. Absolutely. And I think the next thing we would talk about is that, like you said, if only 15% actually use their degree, how common is it or, you know, how acceptable is it to like declare a major or apply with a major, but then change your mind later? How many people do we talk to as adults and find out, you know, it used to be people would change their major four or five times on their <laughs> route, you know, to graduation. Unfortunately, those times are gone in that if you're going to be in college for four plus years, it gets really expensive. So it's a different game now than it was even 10 years ago. Agreed. I think now that's why we probably encourage our students to explore before they get to college so that they can try to graduate within the four years so that it's not so expensive. Because I think you, you point out a big uh, point, which is that it's a lot more expensive for college uh, than it used to be. And so you do kind of have, I, I would say it's usually a year to a year and a half as a runway to figuring out what you want. But after that, I feel like there is that expectation that, okay, to stay on the four-year track, you need to know what you're going to do um, by, by some time in sophomore year. Exactly. 
So we've identified, you know, the practicality of identifying your major early, some of the reasons why you might want to take a step back and look at that a little bit differently. Um, are there ways that we can, you know, discuss with a student or family um, ways to tease out what's a good major path if they don't know what it is right now? How are some of the, what are some of the things that we can have them do that might get them on the path? I think it's exploration, right? And having that discussion, it's not uh, without expectation, I should add. Um, that parent who posted that they were upset that their kid didn't have a major probably had very high expectations. Uh, I do think it's starting to figure out, okay, what subjects do I like in school? You know, if I could envision myself you know, doing something or, you know, what would pique my intellectual curiosity? Those are just a few things, I think, to tease out a major. What would you recommend, Mark? Well, what's really fun is I've had probably, at, you know, I've had at least six very different careers. And I've been lucky enough to hire a lot of people and work with them. And I ask a lot of questions of people I work with. And one of the things I find out is, a lot of times when they finally find the job they like, if you ask them, could you have found what to study when you were a teenager? Would you have been able to find it earlier? And most of the time they say, it's just a matter of asking the right questions or having somebody ask you questions. And one of the most common one is, what do you lose time doing? Meaning, you know, when you're doing it, wow, two hours have just gone by. And a lot of times, whatever you're doing when that happens, it has a lot to do with the characteristics of a job you actually would enjoy. The one of those, unfortunately, now when I ask students that, um, and I'll throw my male brethren under the bus on this, <laughs> is video games. And they'll say, wow. you know, I, well, I lose six hours playing video games, which scares me, but I think that's one of those defaults where they haven't, like you said, they haven't explored enough things to find other activities that they lose time. That's a great point. And I think it is taking that step. And I have also, um, quote unquote, lived many lives in my career as well uh, in different industries. It's also just about trying on different things. I feel like I was so fortunate in growing up to... Um, be offered opportunities, but also to ask for opportunities so I could, quote unquote, try things on. And so something we often say is like, I, I don't know that, you know, I'm big on the manifesting um, concept, but, you know, if you tell people, you know, because kids get asked all the time, what do you think you want to do when you grow up? Right, Mark? Um, and as a child, I just, I would, I would honestly just say it, it didn't have any weight or anything, but I'd be like, think I want to be a doctor or I think I want to be an engineer, kind of like what you said, Mark. Um, and ironically, obviously, I don't work in any of those. But like I was fortunate, like because I told someone when I was like eight years old that I was interested in becoming a doctor, they let me sit in on a surgery for my father. Um, and watch that. And I realized, no, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. Um, or same thing with engineering. You know, someone offered me the opportunity to, you know, work and intern in high school at an engineering firm. And I also realized 
Oh my gosh, time just goes so slowly uh, in engineering. And I realized, yes, I love math and science, but I, I can't do this either. It's torture. So, you know, um, and I'm not knocking engineering as a profession. It just it wasn't the right fit for me. Um, but I think having those opportunities to, quote unquote, explore and then see if you could do that for a living is so beneficial. You are so right. And I think that's that's one of the things. Finding out what you don't want to do is just as important as finding the thing you do want to do because just basically limiting the things that you need to focus on is all, it's actually a real gift you can give yourself. Um, John Stewart, the comedian, he has a quote that I love and it's basically, he said, the things I am most proud of in my life is finding out all the things I'm not good at. Mm. And he basically talks about having tried so many things, failed at a lot of them, but also finding those things that he would have never known brought him so much joy. And I think that is a great attitude to go, you know, go try stuff, find out you don't like it, or go try something and find out it's a hidden joy that you never knew existed. So I think you're exactly right. Finding those opportunities, stating, I want to try this, or I'm interested in X, finding somebody who can give you an exposure to it, and then finding out whether you rather really like it or not. When you talk to medical school evaluators, um, when they're evaluating applications, they will definitely be the first ones to tell you, and much like your experience with watching your <laughs> father's surgery, they'll tell you, we are trying, first of all, to find out who actually has had the exposure to the medical field, the lifestyle, the hours, the personal relationships that you have with patients. If they haven't had that exposure, getting them into medical school, maybe two years through before they actually sit down and see the interaction of people, that would be a waste of time to pull out of medical school after two years. So they actually are looking for people just like you who have had that exposure and know this might not be the path for me. I love that you mentioned that, the um, exposure to lifestyle too, because I think a lot of students approach majors and their families approach majors with a practicality to it, right? <laughs> and yeah. what I would say is one of the interesting things I've had from, you know, having friends in different industries is they often say like, I wish I'd known what it was like to actually work in this field before majoring in it, because then I wouldn't have majored in it. Um, whether it's like not making enough income to live a financially independent life that, that they find satisfying, or I would say the other one would be, for example, not knowing like how they want to live in terms of life, work life balance, let's say, um, because there are certain professions that you can just work three or four days a week, right. And make a very good living. So I think that's another question to ask yourself, um, just like the doctor, right. Uh, is, you know, what kind of lifestyle, um, would I want for myself one day? Exactly. I think how I, the number of students, and it's increasing, I think, the number of students that I talk with, if we really dig down deep and ask them what's driving their main motivation for picking a specific major, there's two things. It's either money, mm -hmm. wanting to live a comfortable life, or prestige, being able mm. to say, I'm X. And I think those are two things that drive a lot of those 
The unfortunate part is, and especially having worked in engineering and have hired a lot of engineers and scientists, I know so many young engineers and scientists who get to be, you know, 28, 30 years old and they get up and uh, they get up in the morning and they say, I hate my job. And I always kind of thought that's criminal. They're making a good living. They may make, mm -hmm. make a lot of money. But like you say, a lot of times they don't realize that work-life balance in some of the high pressure, unless you love it, the high pressure jobs are, um, it can be, you know, a very cold slap in the face of reality when they get there. And with that being said, like, I think we also need to talk about like, because we obviously talk college admissions a lot is should a student know their major or apply with a major <laughs> in the process or should they go undecided? Because I feel like there is this stigma around applying undecided as well. Agreed. And I think that scares some parents, especially when they see, you know, are you going to graduate in four years? This is really expensive. So it's a, it's a very legitimate question, especially now. And I think the tables have changed considerably in the last 10 years. There are a number of programs now that if you don't declare early, you're already behind the ball on finishing. And what I mean by that, if you're, if you're not declaring pre-med early, or you're not declaring engineering early, you actually are missing out on core curriculum that has to be done before you graduate. So the, a lot of a lot of uh, those programs that are restricted by numbers, you have to apply as a freshman. And if you don't get in as a freshman, it's not like in your junior year, you're suddenly going to be able to go in and get back all those classes. So in some cases, in some majors, you actually have to know going in. But unfortunately, what a lot happens between your freshman and your junior year, finding out, oh, I really don't like engineering or I really don't like organic chemistry. So it's it's kind of a two-edged sword, picking early or not picking early. Yes. And I know in some instances, like if you like you mentioned those programs, right? Like pre-med, engineering, comp sci, business. Um, for certain schools you're looking at, if you don't get in as a freshman, you don't get in at all for those yep. majors later. So then you would have to actually transfer to another school um, to pursue that major, which kudos to you. You figured out a major that you love. <laughs> uh, but downside is you might it might take you a little longer and you might have to go through um, a detour to get to that. Agreed. At the University of Washington, we have what was what used to be titled the Great Migration of Juniors. And that was those students who got into engineering or were studying engineering. And then when they were applying to their particular flavor of engineering, be that, you know, aerospace, electrical, mechanical, structural, they didn't get into the one that they wanted. So then they migrated to another school where they could actually finish out their degree in those particular flavors of engineering. So, mm. yeah, you, you have to know that. And that's due, due diligence on the programs and schools that you're applying to so that you know the reality of getting into the program um, that you really want to study in. And that's why I think it's even more important, like we said, to start exploring early, right? Because to get into some of those programs, as Mark likes to say, you need to have evidence of, you know, um, having explored that major um, to be to be qualified for some of those more competitive programs. Um, so, but 
I guess, what would you say for students that are outside of those majors or for students, for example, like I'm sure you've heard this, Mark, like what if I go in with X major that's not very popular and I'll switch into Y major later? What is the advice you give to those kids? I tell them to do that very carefully. And like you said, do your due diligence and research on the programs beforehand, because thinking that you'll, oh, I'll just apply as a into the College of Arts and Sciences, and then I'll I'll get into engineering later, or I'll get into business later. Um, a lot of programs aren't set up that you can do that unless you've done the prerequisite courses. So a lot of business classes will have four, maybe five prerequisite classes. If you haven't taken those, you can't actually apply to the business school. So you have to make sure that even if you go in undeclared, if you are thinking of switching, make sure you get those core prerequisites. So does that mean that they are, you know, um, completely not able to pursue those majors? No, it just means that you might not graduate on time or you have to transfer. Um, right. Is there anything else they have to keep in mind if they would like to switch? No, those are the big ones. And it, and I think they're here again from 10 years ago to now, it's a very different game in that if you want to continue on and you can go backwards, you can become an engineer at any point in your life. It just means you may have to start at ground one. And with that in mind, it can be expensive. So if you're, you know, if you're a senior and all of a sudden you want to become a doctor, well, great. If you haven't got all the pre-med core, you have to go backwards. And that may mean three more years of uh, study and and three more years of tuition. And so it can be expensive and it's also stressful. If you have to switch majors and completely relearn a particular area, unless you're really passionate about that, it can be a stressful reality for um, your, your new choice, as we put it. So now that we've kind of established, and we'll talk a little bit about the benefits of not having a major too, because it's not like you have to have a major. Um, there's many great colleges with exploratory programs these days as well built in. But how, other than just, for example, we talked about shadowing or doing a day in the life of um, and thinking about how to pass time, what are other methods students can use to try to figure out what they might want to pursue? I have students do, and lots of, lots of different uh, ways of, of approaching this, but I have students do what I consider to be a curiosity project. And it's basically trying to rule out things that bring you joy or things that you really don't like to do. And what I mean by that is I have them submit three ideas for things that they're curious about of learning something new. And that can be everywhere from, you know, building a bicycle wheel to learning to knit to learning to cook it, uh, Italian food or make pasta by hand. Any of those things just as an activity for evidence that you are a self-driven learner and curious, which colleges are looking for. And also see if there are things along the way when you're trying to learn something new that you learn about yourself. How do you learn best? How do you communicate with others when you're trying to learn something? Do you use YouTube? Do you use people <laughs> in your community? Um, all of those kind of things. Basically, when you reflect on that, and if you document what your learning activity feels like to you and what you've learned, um, those are all things that also can be great essays. Um, but those are the things that I think colleges, if, if you can say, these are the things that I've tried, and this is what I've learned about myself and the world around me. 
um, that's a really valuable characteristic to have. And you can rule out some of the things that you don't like. You may say, you know, I was interested in cooking, but after, you know, cooking uh, a meal, uh, an organized meal for my family for five days in a row, I found out I really don't like cooking. So <laughs> that can actually be as valuable as uh, an activity. And it, a lot of times it's just actually getting your hands dirty and trying it. I love that you mentioned that. A curiosity project. I've never heard them referred to it as that. I know in our industry, it's very common to hear the words passion project. I think it's been overused at this point. Um, but curiosity, I think, is more important, right, in terms of figuring out your major. And I think to a degree that should then, that also then plays into the college search process, right? Because what you choose to major in, whether or not you choose to major, also goes into the type of colleges you would be looking for um, when you apply to college. Agreed. Yeah. And, and, and even those colleges that actually support or even, you know, they, they push the idea of, you know, study things outside of your wheelhouse, outside of your comfort zones, challenge yourself to learn something that you don't know that doesn't come easily. So those are things, characteristics of the curriculum and the educational philosophy of a school can be very, uh, it can either be a plus or a minus once you get on campus, um, depending on the kind of learner that you are, for sure. That's true. So then let's take a quick detour and kind of talk about those different types of colleges. Um, I think it's the age-old debate of university versus liberal arts college. Um, I know I usually tell my students, like, how I think of it is, like, you go to a liberal arts college and you learn how to think. And then I feel like university is more skills and it's more what to think. But how do you help differentiate them for your kids? You know, you're the first one I've heard actually put them into those two categories. And I think it's elegant. It really is. If you were to say, what are the institutions, really their educational focus or their curriculum or their philosophy on how to learn? Um, and the universities in general, exactly like you say, what to think. It's to give you information, professors profess, they give you information, you learn that information, you try to apply it, and basically a lot of universities are degree focused. They look on, you're going to get an engineering degree. That's what we're focused on is information. Mm -hmm. But what I really love is what your, your, your outline of um, how to think, which liberal arts colleges you know, they're more concerned on, can you write? Can you communicate? Can you think effectively? And those are the things that I think, uh, how, how can those things ever be wrong? But they aren't, <laughs> they aren't necessarily a specific degree. It's a philosophy. I think it's a mindset too. I feel like liberal arts colleges teach kids to be adaptable because there isn't a clear-cut path. And I do understand for certain parents that they feel like that is very anxiety-inducing. What will my kid do with a psychology major? Um, the path to a career is not always so clear. But I would say, like, a liberal arts education is also very versatile. Oh, absolutely. It's the, I mean, that, that's one of those things. I think Google and Amazon and a number of, of the larger tech industry um, jobs are, they're looking for people who can think, write, and communicate effectively. And they basically have the attitude, we'll teach you the other stuff. 
But if you can't do those first things, we really can't teach you those things along the way. So, um, and it, like you said, it's flexible. It applies to any other direction you want to go. And I think those are the, the foundational tenets. But you also have to, if you're going to be an engineer, you do need to know, you know, the, the foundational, um, science behind engineering. Um, if you also can communicate that effectively, it makes you even more valuable to the company, though. That's a great point you raised because I remember just fresh out of college, I had an interview with one of the tech companies and they pitched me a Fermi question. And I was like, <laughs> so dumbfounded, Mark, like, because I, I have a business degree, right, from a university. And I was like, nobody prepared me for this. Um, needless to say, I flopped, which is fine. Um, because, it, you know, I found, a, you know, my calling in other places, but I just was like, what is this question? But I could see how, you know, a certain education would support that. Um, and especially for out of the box thinking, right, in an innovative space like engineering um, or programming, it, it is more important, I think, to be able to know how to think and communicate those ideas uh, more so than just having um, programming knowledge. Well, you can you can uh, take you can take pride in not being the only one who uh, hadn't experienced the Fermi question before. It used to be one of the most common things that I would do in interviews is give young engineers a Fermi question. But, oh gosh, sure. <laughs> but you know what? It's amazing how many of them, if there wasn't an answer. And for those who don't know what a Fermi question is, something like what's the average price of a piano tuner in New York City? Um, there is actually an answer if you did all the math and you said, but th that's not the issue. That's not the point of the exercise. The exercise is, do you know how to think? Do you know how to get to an answer and different levels of granularity? And I think that's one of those things, like you said, if you haven't ex experienced that or you don't know what the actual goal of that process is, um, it can be really intimidating. Mm -hmm. Thinking oh, can hurt. For sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, it is quite crazy. Uh, I was like, so I would have hated you as an interviewer, basically, Mark. Oh, I have fun interviews. They're fun <laughs> interviews. <laughs> um, but I think the other thing, so now that we talked about that, so, you know, I think there are pros and cons, right? I think pros to universities, sometimes it's like, I often recommend actually um, universities for students who don't know their major, because usually the universities are larger and there's more, uh, more majors to choose from. But that being said, you have to be careful. Like you had said, Mark, certain universities have majors that are not available to you um, unless you applied as a freshman. So it's trying to find that balance. But I also love liberal arts colleges because I have some of my students who do so well with, for example, discussion-based learning and need a bit more exploration, but not necessarily beyond arts and science. Um, so, but also I would say there's even some liberal arts colleges that do offer like, for example, engineering and computer science these days. So it's not, so they shouldn't necessarily be ruled out um, just because they're a liberal arts college. Absolutely. There are, there are some amazing liberal arts colleges that have incredible sciences. I'm, Carleton is one of my favorite 
examples of that. They have really solid sciences. They used to have a two, three program for engineering with Columbia, but they don't have that now. And I really wish they did because that's the kind of environment that um, you can really get some outstanding science education, but you also will learn to write, think, and communicate effectively. Also, people don't realize there are incredible engineering schools like Harvey Mudd Mm-hmm. That is a liberal arts education. You have to take, I, it's at like six writing classes while you're there. They want to make sure not only are you going to be a great scientist or engineer, you're going to be able to communicate your ideas, write them effectively and think deeply. And so I, it's, it's the philosophy of the school more than it is necessarily what they're known for. Um, great science programs in the, in the country and, some liberal arts colleges, for sure. You do, that's where you do diligence and do your research. Oh, yeah. That's a great point you raised. We actually just heard from a student who is apparently loving their time at Harvey Mudd. Um, exactly. So, yes, you can, you know, you do have liberal arts colleges that, you know, focus on engineering as well. So, and back to admissions stuff, I guess, what would you say? So, we talked about, like, benefits of choosing a major is graduating on time, hopefully, um, and then I would say for my students, uh, it's how they can better answer the, why do you want to study the major question? Although you can still back into that question, even if you don't know your major, you just mentioned what your intellectual interests are. But like Mark, you had said earlier, if you did not take time to explore it, then you will have a hard time answering that question, whether or not you have a major. But what other things do you think are the benefits of choosing a major? One of the benefits of, especially for those students, and we all, you know, we give our surveys and we ask students what kind of, you know, things they prefer in their educational path and that there are some students who want to know what their curriculum, they're just going to basically follow a a game plan or a map to Mm -hmm. get their degree. And they want to know, is it dictated? Have you told me I'm going to take these classes, these years, and I'll graduate at this time? They find great joy and great, uh, they're, they're much less stressed when they have that in front of them. Whereas you've got the student who says, I really hate being told what exactly I need to study. And so there's kind of know yourself before you get there. So there again, know what you prefer, what you're going to need to be healthy, happy, and successful in college. And then I identify those schools that will provide you with either that dictated, you know, regimented um, series of curriculum, or are you the one that actually wants to explore? So picking that major could be a blessing or a curse. You said it so well, Mark. I actually had a student who like couldn't decide. For example, certain colleges have like very open curriculums, let's say. Or they have a, something like where you get to create your own major. And we had talked about, oh, but that might be a good idea because they don't know what they want to do. But they're like, no, Anna, I would just be adrift for like most of my college <laughs> career. That is not a good idea. And so, I, I like you said, you have to understand where you fall in terms of needing um, flexibility or more um, concrete plans for, for college. Exactly. I think Brown is a perfect example of if you are a student who needs a regimented way of approaching your degree, Brown can be a very dangerous place because they really encourage students to explore. 
And there aren't, I mean, <laughs> even their grading policies and all of that are very different. And it's basically for an exper experiential learner. So you need to know if you want X, Y, and Z to get to your degree, um, you know the characteristics of your university. Absolutely. And then I would say the cons of choosing a major is feeling, I guess, that you might not be able to change your mind. Although I've always thought that you could, Mark. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I've always felt like you could change your mind. I don't think anything's in concrete. You just need to know the um, ramifications of your choice if you want to change. Are you going mm. to need to make up some classes? Are you going to stay another year? Are you going to have to do summer classes? And that's the thing. What I really, what really hurts is when you talk with a student who at the end of their sophomore year says, I need to change majors and they feel like a failure. Mm. And I, I just, it just breaks my heart when I hear a student who recognizes they need to do a course change and they need to change the direction of what they're going to study. Otherwise, they are going to be unhappy, unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, I think our, a lot of the system, um, especially at universities, if you're changing degree and you look like, okay, I have to go back and take these classes, I must, I must be a failure. And that's, I think, exactly the opposite. It's actually you're, you're being very honest and vulnerable and putting yourself in the role of, I need to take care of myself. And the end of my choices are going to be much more successful if I, if I do a course change. Yes, because better late than never. There are people that get to be mid-aged or more that still don't know what they want to do. Um, so better late than never. But it does bring to mind, you know, when is a good time? to select a major. <laughs> when is a good time is, to figure that out? Yeah, that's, you know, and I think our conversation shows it's the classic answer of it depends. <laughs> you know, at, asking yourself the real hard questions as early as possible, exploring things as early as possible so that you can rule out things um, is the biggest way to set yourself up for success in identifying a path or an educational path for college. And in even in those cases, in those cases, it depends once you're in it and it depends on your learning style and it depends on the college you're at. So I think it depends is actually an accurate answer. That is a great point. Um, I would say just as early as you can, um, but for the right reasons. I can't tell you how many times students who say, well, here are two things I think that often students do that are mistakes, in my opinion. But one is majoring in something because their parents told them to. And <laughs> tell me you don't agree with that one. And so then they often feel like, well, I've aligned myself with this trajectory that I'm supposed to become, let's say, a doctor. And I hate science class, right? Um, <laughs> so that is one wrong one. The other one is to major in something simply because they're good at it. Being good at something doesn't necessarily make that time fly, as you had recalled, Mark, right? Like, I, quote unquote, used to be fairly good at math and science, but I couldn't possibly envision myself working in a lab all day. 
Um, even though there's certain things I would love to accomplish in a lab, but thinking about like, oh my gosh, day to day, this is my life. So I would say, you know, those two things, just because you're good at it, doesn't mean you should major in it. And just because other people say you should do it, doesn't mean it's a good idea either. One of the slides that I get the most reaction to when I do public presentations, I put a slide up that says exactly like you, you just mentioned, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it for a living. And you should hear the number of students that are in the room and parents who <laughs> can recognize themselves in it and basically take a big breath and go, yeah, you're right. And this happens. I cannot tell you how often this happens, especially with engineers. And I've written on this in many different places, but it's basically in middle school, you're good at math. And mm. so you get lots of social uh, social support saying, well, do more math and you becomes kind of your identity. I'm a math kid. Then you get to high school and you know, you're a sophomore and somebody says, well, you're really good at math and you're taking all the math classes. What do you want to major in in college? And then they say, well, I don't know. What should I, well, you're good at math. You should be an engineer. And the next <laughs> thing you know, they're on the engineering track. And the reason why is because it's the default answer to what do you want to do? Oh, I want to be an engineer but they don't really understand. And like, if they don't like math necessarily, but they're good at it, they can get through college and all of the hard engineering classes. They can get a really good job in engineering and then wake up and say, I hate my job. And that mm. is actually more common than people realize. Yeah. Life's too short to hate your job. No one said oh. you had to hate your job to live, a, a, you know, to live, right? That's no one said sure. you had to, um, be tortured just to earn a living. And I think there's a lot of people with that mindset that you need to work hard. Um, and to a degree, you, you do need to work um, or be, you know, and it might not be something you like. And I think especially that's very common with like immigrant families uh, coming yep. from when I can say that. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean you have to do that. Um, what I would say is back in the day when I used to work in the fashion industry, and it paid well too, Mark, um, was I just knew that, okay, I could do this, right? But looking at my colleagues who love it, like live and breathe and have a passion for it, they can literally work on that from morning to night and not feel like they had done work. And by far, they will be far more successful than I ever will, even if I were to be quote unquote good at it, just because I wouldn't want to put any more time on it than they would. Um, exactly. And I think that speaks a lot to success and why you can't just do something simply because you're good at it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so what are some of the, we, we talk about, you know, the pluses and minuses of getting a major and declaring it early and some of the things that go along with that. But what are some of the tools or processes that you use with students to help them identify some things that they might want to explore that they have talents in already that they might not even know about? That's a great question. I also let them do projects and I say it doesn't have to do anything with academics. It's So I guess it is kind of like the passion project. They literally can do anything they want um, for fun. Um, and, and then we can always figure out, is there anything you can do with this that would generate revenue? Um, but the other thing I would say is like, I like doing personality tests. Um, so I'm a big fan of Meyer Briggs. Um, it helped me find my calling. Um, but I would say like getting to know yourself better, 
Um, whether it's reading a book like What Color Is Your Parachute and doing exercises or taking some other tests or trying other things, I think will really help. Well, and that it's funny, uh, what color is your parachute? And you and I have talked about this previously, and you also went like, you know, is this a dated thing? It's actually making a resurgence. There are many different versions of it now. And I think it's oh. because people are actually bouncing into this question in a very real way, and especially teenagers as well. So I think, yeah, what color is your parachute? It's it's making a resurgence. I also use a couple of different profile, um, well, they're surveys. And basically, I think uh, one of the more common ones is you science. And mm -hmm. it's basically a, a set of video games where uh, students are basically given really fast paced questions that are online and you answer those and it categorizes them in different ways to identify what things or what kind of learner or what things come easier for you or that you do really well. Um, be verbal or, you know, three-dimensional or those kind of characteristics. And then what they've done is they've given this survey to, you know, tens of thousands of people in different occupations, and they identify what they do well in their occupation, and they basically correlate it to what a student does well. And they say, because you do these things well, you might want to consider, and there again, consider not that you really want to do this because it's your calling. But it starts that conversation of you might want to look at these things in the medical field, or if you were looking, mm -hmm. like you say, if you got a communications degree, or that's really where your strengths are, you can identify some of the, you know, the occupations that people who are really good at communications actually do, and they're happy doing. I think that's great. I also use you science, and I usually tell students we're going to get some suggestions on your future career, and then we're going to back into your major <laughs> based exactly. on that. Um, I, I do tell them though, because a lot of times that I don't know that they take it that seriously, but it is timed. I think that's one thing people don't realize. And I'm like, you want to do it when you have a large chunk of time, yep. um, cause the test is time, but, but I do think it's helpful, you know, and, and it's a good, um, tool to start that search. Yeah. To start the conversation. I think that's more, a lot of the tools that we have, it isn't really necessarily to come up with the answer. But it is a way of looking at possible answers, and then you can start exploring each one, as opposed to you know you're going to be a doctor. <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not that prescriptive. Yeah. No, yeah, and I think one of them does cover also, for example, something that I also talk with my students is like, do you want to do the same thing every day, or is it important for you to have variety? Do you need something that's more stable, or do you need you know are you more risk averse? You know things like that because. That all plays into what you want to study and what you want to do one day. Yeah, knowing, and like you said, the personality profiles and even a strength finder and, and I think quest finder for students, all of those things, just ways to identify um, your characteristics that you might want to think about before you're picking a, a major or an occupation. Like you said, do you want to do the same thing day after day after day? Some people love that. They love they that do. routine. But mm -hmm. other people, it's like, you know, having a root canal every day. <laughs> I always think of accountants. They do the same thing, I feel like, most <laughs> days. But for some people, it works, right, Mark? So what are some closing thoughts you have for our audience about majors? The biggest one is 
when oh, for families, for parents, while it's it's good to have high expectations and it's good to make suggestions, um, don't be prescriptive in thinking that you know what your student should or shouldn't follow for a major or for a career. You can make suggestions, you can support them, but the the more you push in one particular area without it being their passion, the more you're setting somebody up to be a very unhappy adult. Oh, that's so deep, Mark, and so accurate. That's a good <laughs> parenting. That's a good parenting tip, not just major, just parenting. Well, as a non-parent, it's kind of a cop-out. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it would just be to explore early and to not be afraid to ask for help as you explore, because I feel like that was so instrumental in helping me figure out, you know, the things that valued to me and, and what I wanted to do with my life. So I would say ask questions, start that exploration process early. Agreed. Yeah. Try stuff, ask questions. Don't be afraid to fail. Yes. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Anna. That was fun. Thanks for listening to College Admissions with Mark and Anna, where we make getting into college easy and fun. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and subscribe to get updated each time we release a new episode. Also, for more helpful college admissions information, visit our website at www.collegeadmissionspodcast.com.